Defense Secretary Austin goes full-on whack job. Yeah, you saw the thumbnail and the headline. That's the truth. Scary, but the truth. Hey, remember that house that blew up in Arlington? That massive explosion? We showed you the video. Apparently, there's a lot more to that story, and we will talk about that tonight. And we will also show you today, I should say, we will also show you the real California. It ain't pretty. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. We made it. It's Friday. Yes, it is Friday. We did make it. We got through another week. Well, I mean, we still have Friday to go, but, you know, it's all downhill to the weekend from here. So, yeah, all that more is coming up tonight uh, today on the show. And uh, look, where I am, it's tonight. That's why I always say tonight. I know where you are, it's today. Our show is for America, about America. Uh, I'm on the other side of the planet, but I keep close tabs. And you know what? It is different when you're sitting outside looking in. It really is. You see it from a whole new perspective. And I try and bring that a little bit of that into the show. So there you go. All right. Before we get started, we're going to tell you about Blackout Coffee, one of our incredible sponsors here on the show be awake not woke yeah folks if you're tired of that same old liberal brown water coffee you've been drinking dump that go with blackout coffee i love blackout coffee i drink it i highly recommend it to you it is the best coffee i have ever had i am not just saying that because they are a sponsor i'm saying that because it's true I am a coffee addict, well-admitted coffee addict, and Blackout Coffee does it for me. It is a company that is 100% committed to two things, making an amazing cup of coffee and our conservative values. They believe in honesty, integrity, family, American values, sourcing the beans from local co-ops and American farmers to the roasting process, Blackout Coffee gets the job done. They have an amazing work ethic, and they are dedicated to you and to this country. Zero compromise on taste, quality. Do me a favor, check out, just pick up a bag. Just a single bag is all you need to do, and try it. You will be convinced and feel good knowing that you are helping support not only this show, but more importantly, a company like Blackout Coffee that cares about our troops, supports our troops, our first responders, who cares about our country, our Second Amendment, our First Amendment. Blackout Coffee is all about the USA. I can think of no better reason to help support them other than the fact that they make the best coffee you've ever had. Small batch roasting process, which means only when you order your beans, within 24 to 48 hours, they are roasting your beans. No, another few days to get it shipped out to you, and you've got the freshest roasted coffee beans you'll find on the planet. You will notice the difference, I promise. Now, we've been making suggestions, and it's still not too late. If you order now, today... You can get this in time for the holidays. They've got some holiday-flavored coffees there, and of course, their usual great batches of all kinds of Brutal Awakening and all the other great coffees they have on their site. But look at this, Peppermint Mocha, Eggnog, Winter Wonderland, Candy Cane, some great flavored coffees over there, all very reasonably priced, by the way. Uh, signature Blends, Brutal Awakening, look at that, 2A, that stands for Second Amendment. Mm. Signature blends, Brutal Awakening, Morning Reaper, Smooth Finish, Pitch Black Espresso, Covert Op Cold Brew, and Low Voltage Decaf. I'm telling you, try it. Just try a bag if you want. But I would strongly recommend with these great deals, and we've got a promo code for you too that'll get you even more of a deal. Pick up a few bags. Give them away as holiday gifts. Believe me, the coffee drinker in your life will really appreciate good coffee, fresh roasted coffee. 
from Blackout Coffee. Use our promo code at checkout and that will get you an additional 20% off your first order. Our promo code is J20, J-A-Y-20. That's the promo code that'll get you 20% off your first order. Try it, give it a shot, give it a try. Look, if you don't like it, don't go back. I promise that will not be the case. You will love it. J20 promo code at checkout for Blackout Coffee. Thank you, Blackout Coffee, for helping to sponsor the show. Really does uh, mean a lot to me, means a lot to our audience, and uh, we're very proud to have you as a part of this process here. Blackout Coffee, folks, check them out. All right, are you ready? The headline is true. Give us more money for Ukraine or we'll kill your kids. I'm not kidding. Now, no, he did not say exactly that, but he pretty much said that. The Biden administration, specifically Austin, the defense secretary, is openly threatening Americans over Ukraine. Classified brie uh, briefing in the House yesterday, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin informed members, listen, if they don't appropriate more money for Zelensky, quote, We'll send your uncles, cousins, and sons to fight in Russia, end quote. Mm, he actually said it. Basically, pay the oligarchs or we'll kill your kids. That's what we've come to in this country. Lloyd Austin, the defense secretary, threatening you threatening your kids in the most direct way possible. Give us more money for Ukraine or we'll send your kids, your uncles, your cousins to fight in Ukraine. Which, you know, the way things are going for Ukraine is simply just a death sentence. They cannot win this war. They will not win this war. There is no, I don't care how many billions you send. It's not going to the war anyway. It's going to the oligarchs. It's going in Zelensky's pocket. How many more mansions does this guy need? But we're doing it. We're sending them more money. And this moron has the balls to directly threaten us and threaten our kids. Unbelievable. There's a couple of links in our show notes to the full story. Here's a quote. If Vladimir Putin takes over Ukraine, he'll get Moldova, Georgia, and then maybe the Baltics. <laughs> And then the idea that we'll have to put troops on the ground, in Secretary Austin's words, was very likely, McCall, Republican from Texas, said. That's what we're trying to avoid. He said he hopes the message helps underscore to his colleagues that passing more aid to Ukraine is not just about helping Kiev. By the way, I say Kiev because it's always been Kiev until people decided they wanted to call it Kiev. Maybe that's what they call it in the Ukraine. But here we've always said Kiev. So I'm sticking with the old school because I'm old school. If the U.S. pulls out support for Ukraine, we lose all of our goodwill with the NATO allies. <clears throat> NATO, which we pay for, the other countries don't. No one's ever going to trust us again. Got some news for you. They haven't trusted you since Biden held up his hand and took an oath, okay? An oath which he continues to violate to this moment. House Speaker Mike Johnson says, I don't think we've got the clarity that we've been requesting. He told the messenger as he left the classified briefing, adding, it remains to be seen whether members are satisfied 
with the answers provided. Bottom line, give us our money for the Ukraine or we'll kill your kids. What? There are no words. There are no words. No, I know he did not exactly say that, but that is virtually, for all intents, what he said. And we're just going to put up with it. We're just going to give them more money. I can't think of any other justification. Now it's threatening your children, your sons, and your daughters. He didn't mention daughters. Which, by the way, you know, when you look at that, we'll send your uncles, cousins, and sons to fight Russia. What about your aunts and your daughters? Because they're going too. They're going up on the line to get killed. The WHO is back at it again. The World Health Organization and their tyranny. You no doubt know about the pandemic treaty and renegotiations have started again. The UK government is refusing to reveal the names of those MPs who are negotiating on Britain's behalf. Listen to what the WHO is demanding and ask yourself, What's the government hiding? The WHO is developing through all its nations, but with the WHO directorate in the United States in charge, a pandemic treaty and amendments to the existing international health regulations that will remove the human rights protections currently um, embedded in the IHRs, will enforce surveillance, censorship, get rid of freedom of speech, require governments to censor and only push a single narrative. Also, we will be sub subject, if, if they can make this work, to vaccines developed in 100 days, which the organization CEPI is planning to do. And one of the people who founded CEPI was Jeremy Farrar, who is now the chief scientist at the WHO to bring this forward. That's just a small part. You can click the link in our show notes, listen to the whole thing, and edumacate yourself. You need to get a hold of your congressional representatives. You need to let them know we are not going to take part in this. We do not want this. This WHO pandemic treaty is totalitarianism at its worst. I was going to say best, but there is no best when it comes to this. We need to fight this with every ounce of DNA in our body. This is just another nail, and there's not many nails left in our collective coffins. What exactly is the government hiding? This is some frightening frightening stuff, folks. I'll tell you about the stuff that happens in the U EU, Europe, Ireland, which has totally gone off the deep end because it is coming here. It's Some of it already has. We're next, and you better be prepared because it's going to happen. Australia also, that whistleblower, they've got another one another whistleblower in Australia completely blows the lid off of the net zero scam. Wind turbines need coal-fired power in order to turn. So there is absolutely nothing about them that works apart from reaming 600 thousand to nine hundred thousand per turbine per windmill out of the Australian economy and it's going offshore 
Australians, if I've got any Australian listeners out there, or you have any friends down there, grab that link out of our show notes and share this with them. This coming winter, remember your energy bills skyrocketing in order to subsidize wind turbines that don't even work as part of the insane net zero agenda to deliberately deindustrialize and impoverish the West while China, especially China, but many other countries continue to capitalize on the huge economic prosperity afforded to the, to, by using fossil fuels. Every time a windmill goes up, China builds five coal plants. And they couldn't give a crap less about net zero. Neither should we. None of this has anything to do with saving the planet. And everything to do with demolishing our standard of living, our economic prosperity, transforming what used to be you and me in the middle class into a peasant class where they have total control over every aspect of our lives. And we have to not let them get that, whatever it takes. And I mean whatever it takes. We do not advocate violence on this show. But short of that, whatever it takes. In this clip, it's an ex-post. There is an interview. It's about four minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. But there's an interview with this whistleblower. And let me just see if I can't play a part of what she has to say. Who do we have here? The area that I was working in was renewable energy. And basically, um, it was my job to uh, uncover a lot of the stuff that was going on with the Renewable Energy Act, which was put in in 2002 under the Howard government. So that was the Liberal Party put the act in place. And I was uh, looking at the mess that it had created. And what a lot of people don't understand is that the Renewable Energy Act um, creates a subsidy environment where if you build wind turbines, you're paid between 600,000 and 900,000 per turbine per year per as year. a subsidy alone. Well, if it's on your property. No, so what happens is the wind company comes in and leases, um, they pay a lease to the farmer to build the wind turbines. And that in effect makes sure that the farmer is still liable for the turbine. Okay. And they pay a lease of $12,000 a year, usually. $12,000 a year in a lease to the farmer. And the farmer becomes responsible for the turbine. So if, as you've seen it happen time and time again, the thing catches fire and falls over into the neighbor's yard and sets his house on fire, the farmer is responsible for his 12000 a year. And the company that has the wind turbine that builds it, they get a subsidy of between 600000 and 900000 almost a million dollars per year. Do the math. Can't encourage you enough to watch this whole interview, take a look at some of these stats and data and statistics and more about what exactly the kind of bullshit this net zero wind turbine, zero carbon, blah, blah, blah. Don't buy it. It's a myth. It's a lie. There are scientists upon scientists who show you exactly how much CO2 we humans are responsible for. It's virtually nothing. And doing the things these idiots want us to do will have virtually no effect on any of it. But just keep drinking that Kool-Aid. Just keep buying it. Frightening. Frightening. Unbelievable.
Mm. Hey, you remember that house that blew up in Arlington? You saw the footage. It was incredible. Well, guess what? <laughs> there have been a whole bunch more details come out about that house. It is owned by a man called James Wu, W-O-O. 844 North Burlington Street, Arlington, Virginia. Or it used to be there. James Yu's father, Ki Hong Yu, American University, CIA cutout, wrote plan to de uh, retake North Korea with bio-agents for president of South Korea. James Yu's mother, Annie Shin Yu, U.S. State Department slash CIA, Voice of America lead broadcaster for South Korean Division of U.S. Propaganda and mouthpiece for the Voice of America. James Yu, a long career, but his most notable job, Head of Global Information and Physical Security at Global Crossing. And what's Global Crossing? An espionage center. International spying apparatus. Still in operation today. Founded by Gary Winnick in 1997. Gary Winnick died November 4th exactly one month before James Yu's house exploded. This goes on. On the board of Global Crossing, members of the board include Secretary of Defense William Cohen, CEO of J.P. Morgan, Private Bank Elena Lagomasino, Assistant Secretary of Defense Richard Pearl, Elena, also Gary Winnick's personal banker. Now, Global Crossings was a front company. I know this is a bit wonky, but stay with me because remember that giant explosion of that house. These are the people who owned it. Global Crossing front company, Global Spy Network, that focused on tapping intercontinental fiber optic lines and intercepting communications both domestic and international between the US, Western Europe, Japan, and Singapore. It's a thread that just keeps going. It dives deep, deep down this rabbit hole. It is a nightmare. And it all came about because of this. No. Suddenly that explosion takes on possibly a whole new meaning. Once you start peeling back the layers of the onion, it just gets stinkier and stinkier. You watched the debate? I did not, nor would I ever bother wasting my time. I'll wait for the good parts that always get clipped up and put on X. Climate change agenda is a hoax. Vivek Ramaswamy, whom you know me, I've never made any bones about it. I'm absolutely a 100% Trump supporter. No matter what, I will be voting for Trump in 2024. But I got to admire this guy. He's a little too slick for my likings. But he says a lot of really good stuff. He doesn't hold back in calling out this climate scam. Quote, if you thought COVID was bad, watch what's coming with this climate agenda. It's far worse. We should not be bending the knee to this new religion. 
That is what it is. It is a substitute for modern religion. We are flogging ourselves and losing our modern way of life, bowing to this new god of climate. And that will end on my watch. Good on you. There's a clip of this in the uh, link in our show notes. You can watch that little piece of the debate. But there you go, folks. Vivek calling a spade a spade, speaking the truth. For which, of course, they hate him. Anybody who speaks truth is instantly on a watch list. Subject to arrest? Because, you know, we don't have free speech in this country anymore. We don't even have a constitutional republic. We had one. We hopefully will have one again. But at this moment, no. We live in about a 90% police state. I say that because this show would not even be allowed to be on the air in the U.S. if we truly lived in a police state. But we are 90% there, folks. 90% there if you open your eyes and look around. This next video is of an imam. If you don't know, in Islam, the minister or the priest, like a Catholic priest, the minister or priest in Islam is called an imam, I-M-A-M, -A imam. I found this clip, I had to share it, because he speaks the truth. Give a listen. Do you know which country made TikTok? China. Do you know that China controls the algorithm of what you see? Do you know this? If you're in America and you open up TikTok, if you're in Britain and you open up TikTok, there is a specific algorithm to reach you that is not in China. If you're in China and you open up TikTok, what they, the Chinese government, wants you to receive as youth, as people using TikTok, are people who are doing good things, achievements, youth making social enterprise, youth becoming successful in math competitions, youth becoming masters of karate, youth doing something with their life. And you are rewarded. That algorithm is that the Chinese government makes you see positive things for social development. Did you know here and in the United States, they, China, send you a different algorithm? Do you know what they send you? All the nonsense that you see. They want you to see girls dancing, boys and girls dancing with each other, pranks upon your parents, pranks upon people. How many pranks do you see? Yeah, I'm not saying it's not funny. Some of them are downright hilarious. But if you want to destroy a nation, destroy a generation, you make them in their mind be rewarded with the dopamine for thinking stupid things are good, thinking that this is what you're supposed to grow up doing. A large proportion of people grow up thinking that this is what life is about. Wow. Bingo. And I love the fact that he's attacking TikTok. As you know, this show hates TikTok, encourages you to get it off your phone, get it off your kids' phones especially, and it's nothing but a Chinese spy app. It can dig in and does regularly everything, and I mean everything, on your phone. And this imam put it in a way that is exactly right. Getting people to think these stupid things are normal. Look, I don't follow this man's faith. But when you say something that is absolutely the God's honest truth, I'm going to share it out there. I don't care what your faith is. It doesn't matter to me what color you are, what God you believe in. I don't give a crap. Believe what you want. It doesn't matter to me. Speak the truth. You got time on this show, which is what we're all about the truth. And the truth is TikTok is evil. Dump it. I know you use it for your business. You use it to make money. You use it to... All that's fine. But remember the price you're paying. No such thing as free, folks. You are paying a price. One way or the other. This guy, Ben Berkwam, man, I'm telling you, Real America Voice, RAV-TV. He's on X, 
Great follow. He's at Ben Berkwam. It's B-E-R-G-Q-U-A-M. Can't encourage you enough to go give him a follow. You saw how they cleaned up California for Xi, China's president, dictator. Well, he took a look around at exactly what the real California looks like. And this is what he found. These streets before inviting in communist dictator were full of homeless, full of trash, disgusting. And within two weeks, the communist Democrats in San Francisco cleaned up the streets within two weeks. But every other day, they let the, this place just be an absolute cesspool. They're showing off to a communist dictator trying to make it look like this city's clean when it is disgusting. You go right across the bridge, the Bay Bridge over to Oakland. We're going to go there in a minute and show you the truth. Show you what California really looks like. Take a look. While San Francisco, Gavin Newsom, Joe Biden are putting on a pretty face for Xi Jinping and the communist dictators around the world in San Francisco, this is the reality of what leftist policies look like as they enable criminals. They're invading our southern border. You have communities that are overrun by criminals, overrun by drugs, Look overrun by homeless. They don't prosecute. They don't protect the citizens of this country. In fact, they invite more in. You have the so-called urban campers here everywhere you go. Drug use everywhere. BLM, all of that. these guys being protected by radical leftist DAs in all of these communities. That's what the left does. They destroy everything they touch. And yet in San Francisco, you got APEC coming in, they clean up the streets in two weeks, but the reality is within hours, if not days, those streets of San Francisco will be back to the cesspool that they were before. This is what leftist policies do. They just this, this is like some dystopian, it's like a film set. It's like a movie set. The sad thing is, it's real life. This is California right now. Thank you, Gavin Newsom and others. This is, wow, unbelievable. Look at that. Mile after mile of these lean-tos, garbage, crap all over the streets. And it just goes on and on and on. That's the real California. Not this prettied up version of it they made for President Xi. That's what California is like right now. Man. So, if you're having plans to move to California, enjoy it. Get out. Get Seriously, get out, please. Do yourself a favor. Leave. It's frightening. Our last story before we move on to our book, Treasure Island is always something cute or awe-inspiring. I still can't get over last night's, or yesterday's, with, uh, with that uh, military guy who surprised his wife on the plane. That was insane. <coughs> this one's a quick one. It's only like five seconds long, so you got to watch fast. I'll let it loop. You know those jet sprayers? You know, you use them for, like, cleaning your driveway, all the crap you really can't get up with a broom or, a you know, or your, maybe your car, although some of them would take the paint off of your car. You have any idea how powerful those things actually are? Well, apparently this woman had no idea. Take a look. <laughs> Boom. And then drop spins around again. <laughs> She's not acting. You can tell. She really did get thrown on her ass and then 
on her eye. Just let go of the thing, lady. <laughs> oh, man, this is insane. Okay, okay, enough. Yeah, if you're going to use one of those things, uh, be prepared. Get a good stance before you fire that thing off. It'd likely kill you. It's insane. Oh, man. All right, we needed a lift like that. Hey, it's Friday, right? Right. All right. This uh, show, since its inception, has been dedicated partly to getting your kids to read, getting you to read, reading books, physical books. Okay, Kindle if you have to, but the smell, the feel of a book, turning pages as you read, there's nothing like it. Get books in your hands and especially get books in your kids' hands. If you can't, if you just have tried and it's useless and you cannot get your kids to read, read to them. Because studies have shown that the same brain synopses that fire off when you are reading also fire off when you're being read too. So, can't get your kid right now to read a book by themselves? Don't give up. But in the meantime, do what I do. Read a little part of a chapter of a book every night, beginning to end, then try another one. Sooner or later, they'll realize the adventure, magic in reading. It's why we started reading books on this show. We've done classic children's literature, Wizard of Oz, Jungle Book, White Fang, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Little Prince. And right now we are doing one of the all-time classics, Treasure Island. And I think we're in Chapter 8, if I'm not mistaken. They're just about ready to set sail for Treasure Island. So... Let's keep going. When we came back on deck, the men had already begun to take out the arms and powder, yo-ho-hoing at their work while the captain and Mr. Arrow stood by superintending. The new arrangement was quite to my liking. The whole schooner had been overhauled. Six berths had been made astern out of what had been the after part of the main hold, and this set of cabins was only joined to the galley and forecastle by a sparred passage on the port side. It had originally been meant that the captain, Mr. Arrow, Hunter, Joyce, the doctor, and the squire were to occupy these six berths. Now Redruth and I were to get two of them, and Mr. Arrow and the captain were to sleep on deck in the companion which had been enlarged on each side, till you might almost have called it a roundhouse. Very low it was still, of course, but there was room to swing two hammocks, and even the mate seemed pleased with the arrangement. Even he, perhaps, had been doubtful as to the crew, but that's only a guess. For as you shall hear, we had not long the benefit of his opinion. We were all hard at work, changing the powder and the berths when the last man or two and Long John along with them came off in a shore boat. The cook came up the side like a monkey for cleverness, and as soon as he saw what he was doing, So ho, mate, said he, who's this? We're a-changing the powder, Jack, answers one. Why, by the powers, cried Long John. If we do, we'll miss the morning tide. My orders, said the captain shortly. You may go below, my man. Hands will want supper. Aye, aye, sir, answered the cook. He touched his forelock. He disappeared at once in the direction of his galley. That's a good man, captain, said the doctor. Very likely, sir, replied Captain Smollett. Easy with that, men, easy, he ran on to the fellows who were shifting the powder, and then suddenly, observing me examining the swivel, we carried amidships a long brass nine. Here, you, ship's boy, he cried, out of that, 
off with you to the cook and get some work. And then, as I was hurrying off, I heard him say quite loudly to the doctor, I'll have no favorites on my ship. I assure you, I was quite of the squire's way of thinking and hated the captain deeply. Chapter 10, The Voyage. All that night, we were in a great bustle, getting things stowed in their place, boatfuls of the squire's friends, Mr. Blandley and the like, coming off to wish him a good voyage and a safe return. We never had a night at the Admiral Benbow when I had half the work, and I was dog-tired when, a little before dawn, the boatswain sounded his pipe, and the crew began to man the capstan bars. I might have been twice as weary, yet I would not have left the deck. All was so new and interesting to me. The brief commands, the shrill notes of the whistle, the men bustling to their places in the glimmer of the ship's lanterns. Now, barbecue, tip us a stive, cried one voice. The old one, cried another. Aye, aye, mates, said Long John, who was standing by with his crutch under his arm, and at once broke out in the air in words I knew so well. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest, and then the whole crew bore chorus. Yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum. And at the third ho, drove the bars before them with a will. Even at the exciting moment, it carried me back to the old Admiral Benbow in a second. And I seemed to hear the voice of the captain piping in the chorus. But soon the anchor was short up. Soon it was hanging, dripping at the bows, and soon the sails began to draw, and the land and shipping to flit by on either side. And before I could lie down to snatch an hour of slumber, the Hispaniola had begun her voyage to the Isle of Treasure. I'm not going to relate the voyage in detail. It was fairly prosperous. The ship proved to be a good ship. The crew were capable seamen, and the captain thoroughly understood his business. But before we came the length of Treasure Island, two or three things had happened which required to be known. Mr. Arrow, first of all, turned out even worse than the captain had feared. He had no command among the men, and people did what they pleased with him. But that was by no means the worst of it, for after a day or two at sea, he began to appear on deck with hazy eyes, red cheeks, stuttering tongue, and other marks of drunkenness. Time after time, he was ordered below in disgrace. Sometimes he fell, cut himself. Sometimes he lay all day long at his little bunk on one side of the companion, Sometimes for a day or two he would be almost sober and attend to his work at last passably. In the meantime, we could never make out where he got the drink. That was the ship's mystery. Watch him as we pleased, we could do nothing to solve it. And when we asked him to his face, he would only laugh. If he were drunk, if he were sober, deny solemnly that he ever tasted anything but water. He wasn't only useless as an officer and a bad influence among the men, but it was plain that at this rate he may soon kill himself outright. So nobody was much surprised nor very sorry when one dark night, with a head sea, he disappeared entirely and was seen no more. Overboard, said the captain. Well, gentlemen, that saves us the trouble of putting him in irons. But there were without a mate. It was necessary, of course, to advance one of the men. The boatswain, Job Anderson, was the likeliest man aboard, and though he kept his old title, he served in a way as mate 
Mr. Trelawney had followed the sea, and his knowledge made him very useful, for he often took a watch himself in easy weather, and the coxswain, Israel Hands, was a careful, wily old experienced seaman who could be trusted at a pinch with almost anything. He was a great confidant of Long John Silver, and so the mention of his name leads me to, on to speak of our ship's cook, Barbecue, as the men called him. On board ship, he carried his crutch by a lanyard around his neck to have both hands as free as possible. It was something to see him wedge the foot of the crutch against a bulkhead and propped against it, yielding to every movement of the ship, get on with his cooking like someone safe ashore. Still more strange was to see him in the heaviest of weather cross the deck. He had a line or two rigged up to help him across the wildest spaces. Long John's earrings, they were called, and he'd hand himself from one place to another, now using the crutch, now trailing it alongside by the lanyard as quickly as another man could walk. Yet some of the men who'd sailed with him had expressed some pity to see him so reduced. He's no common man, Barbecue, said the coxswain to me. He had good schooling in his younger days, and speak like a book when so minded, and brave, a lion's nothing alongside a long john. I seen him grapple for and knock their heads together, him unarmed. All the crew respected and even obeyed him. He had a way of talking to each and doing everybody some particular service. To me, he was unweariedly kind, always glad to see me in the galley, which he kept as clean as a new pin, the dishes hanging up, burnished, and his parrot in a cage in the corner. Come away, Hawkins, he'd say. Come and have a yarn with John. Nobody more welcome than yourself, my son. Sit you down, hear the news. Here's Captain Flint. I calls my parrot Captain Flint, after the famous buccaneer. Here's Captain Flint, predicting success to our voyage, wasn't you, Captain? And the parrot would say with great rapidity, pieces of eight, pieces of eight, pieces of eight, till you wondered that it was not out of breath or till John threw his handkerchief over the cage. Now that bird, he would say, is maybe 200 years old. Hawkins, they live forever, mostly. And if anybody's seen more wickedness, it must be the devil himself. She's sailed with England, great Captain England, the pirate. She's been at Madagascar and the Malabar and Suriname, the Providence, Portobello. She was at the fishing up the wrecked plate ships. It's there she learned pieces of eight. And little wonder, 350,000 of them. Hawkins, she was at the boarding of the Viceroy of the Indies out of the Goa. She was. And to look at her, you'd think she was a baby. But you smelt powder, didn't you, Captain? Stand by to go about, the parrot would scream. Ah, she's a handsome craft, she is, the cook would say, and gave her sugar from his pocket. And then the little bird would peck at the bars, swear straight on and passing belief for wickedness. There, John would add, you can't touch a pitch and not be mucked, lad. Here's this poor old innocent bird of mine swearing blue fire and none the wiser. You may lay to that. She would swear the same in a manner of speaking before the chaplain. John would touch his forehead with a solemn way he had, and it made me think he was the best of men. <clears throat> In the meantime, the squire, Captain Smollett, were still on pretty distant terms with each other. The squire made no bones about the matter. He despised the captain. The captain, on his part, never spoke, but when he was spoken to, and then sharp, short, and dry. Not a word wasted. 
He owned, when driven into a corner, that he seemed to have been wrong about the crew. Some of them were as brisk as he wanted to see, and all had behaved fairly well. As for the ship, he'd taken a downright fancy to her. She'll lie a point nearer the wind that a man has a right to expect of his own married wife, sir. But, he would add, all I say is, we're not home again, and I don't like the cruise. The squire at this point would turn away, march up and down the deck, chin in the air. Trifle more of that man, he would say, and I should explode. We had some heavy weather, which only proved the qualities of the Hispaniola. Every man on board seemed well content. and They must have been hard to please if they had been otherwise, for it's my belief there was never a ship's company so spoiled since Noah put to sea. Double grog was going on the last excuse. There was a duff on the odd days, as, for instance, if the squire heard it was any man's birthday, and always a barrel of apples standing broached in the waist for anyone who kept himself had a fancy. Never knew good to come of it, Captain said to Dr. Livesey. Spoil Foxel's hands, make devils, that's my belief. But good did come of the apple barrel, as you shall hear, for if it had not been for that, we would have had no note of warning and might all have perished by the hand of treachery. Good spot to stop, because they're just about to explain that. <laughs> which we will do on Monday's show uh, in the last half of the program, which is uh, Treasure Island. Yeah. Wow, we made it through another week, sort of. Most of your Friday lies ahead. Thank you for spending a small part of it with me. I really do appreciate that. Just be sure and check out, follow that uh, the show, and hit the follow button down there. Just sign up for a free Rumble account. It's easy, it's free. Don't spam your inbox. And then you can take part in our live chat, make comments, follow the show. <clears throat> free for you, helps the show out a lot. Don't forget for your holiday giving, blackout coffee, great idea with some Christmas-flavored coffees and all of their usual fantastic coffees over there, blackout. Check it out. Use the promo code J20 for 20% off your first order. All those other great sponsors there, too, Skillshare, NordVPN, check them out. All right, that's it. Enjoy. Thank you for the week, and I will see you again on Monday. <laughs> Huh. <laughs>